Guess who's back? It's the real WrestlePro. Ginger Jedi mind tricks teach you all that he knows. Had nobody in charge and he's got all the news. Real talk, straight shooting interviews. Join the queue, put you in a submission. 20 bucks for Nelson. Cooking shows, picking fights, still got time for a podcast. Buck never stops and he's gonna let you know that. Welcome to the Pat Buck Show. I'm one of your hosts now, Pat Buck, with my other, I'm just going to say co-host now, KM. Special guest, KM. What's up, everyone? Make sure to check out my OnlyFans page where I'm going to be posting <laughs> very sexy. It's, it's pretty good. I have about 2,000 followers so far. It's but, good. <laughs> Imagine, are there, any, are there any actual wrestler dudes with OnlyFans pages? Or I is that know. just like a sexy female thing? I've, I have no idea, but one thing we do have that I wanted to get into, well, first off, you can, you can like, subscribe, whatever, do what you got to do to support this show if you like it so far. But one thing I, we wanted to talk about that's going to go into today's topic at hand is promoting, but more so, we now have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Show. you know, uh, us being... I mean, you're not really unemployed. I'm, a, I'm unemployed currently. Oh, I'm, a, I'm unemployed AF. <laughs> uh, well, I guess, well, I mean, wrestling was a big chunk of my job. I mean, we're still kind of still involved in wrestling, but there's just like no real money coming in, so. No. But one thing we want to do is, and that's kind of the point of, you know, putting out am, content, podcast stuff, video stuff. So basically what, what uh, if you want to check out the Patreon page, we want to kind of open up a community much like other podcasts have done before, of being more interactive with our fans. We have different tiers there. One of the tiers is kind of a Facebook-only group with us where we're constantly going to be interactive, showing you different things, different content. We already have an, an episode in the can that we recorded prematurely. We think it would be you know, a good, worthwhile putting it up on Patreon. But one thing that's going to be a big part of our Patreon, again, you're gonna, I'm going to keep plugging it and plugging it, is that we want to kind of be the first interactive wrestling show podcast in terms of booking and this whole episode we're actually going to book a, a, a I don't want to say a imaginary show but an actual show or have an actual conversation about what would go into if we were to promote something say in the month of September but on the Patreon page this, this is going to allow you the, the different tiers one of them is directed at people that want to be associated in the booking process meaning if you sign up for this tier once a month Kevin and I or maybe even more than that are going to have live Zoom meetings with those supporting that tier where we're actually going to use, get your feedback, and you can see what goes into booking meetings, meaning match setups, different angles. We will not give away results or finishes because that ruins the entire show, but setting up a show and getting feedback where people can actually interactively vote on what talent they want to see, what sort of matches they'd like, the timing of the show, our suggestions meet with yours, so essentially you become the booker. And that's going to be a big part of our Patreon. The second part of the Patreon is more geared at training, at people actually in professional wrestling. It's going to be kind of my version of being an online coach where you can submit matches, whether it be aired on the podcast or talked about in the podcast or just personal, where we can kind of, or more so, I guess, for myself, I can actually interactively coach, you know, go over match stuff, diet stuff, everything and everything, where I'll call you once a month to actually try to help you out in, I hate saying that, help you out with your career, but maybe just offer a different perspective. I've uh, been getting a lot of good feedback lately with the post, the first episode of the podcast, where a lot of, you know, um, a lot of wrestling reporters were really kind to me. It was kind of new about like, 
um, going into the areas of helping newly released talent. Again, I don't want to sit on my high horse and go, this is what I think you should do. But it's kind of a real perspective if I've seen people you know, rise to amazing heights and use, the, not use, but work the independent scene, come out better than ever. You know, case in point is like a Cody Rhodes or someone that goes the exact opposite and you never hear from them again and you're wondering where the heck they are in their careers. Basically, I don't want to say over, but just kind of forgotten about. So patreon.com slash Pat Buck Show. All right, so let's book a show. So we're trying to figure out, you know, whether we're going to operate or book the show pretending COVID didn't exist or pretending that we have to work under certain guidelines. I think it's kind of more, you know, appropriate to figure out what we're going to do, you know, like I'm going to make up guidelines that I think are probably going to happen. So say realistically we're allowed to run a show in September. One of the first things, and actually I, I got this from a certain somebody, I won't give them credit for it though too, is picking out a date. Um, you just said September. I won't give them no. credit? Uh, I got this from you, but you don't get no credit. It's it's Because I don't know if I fully believe in it. And this okay. is, a, a, I don't know, I don't even know if I told you this. That certain somebody believed that you should promote a show at the end of the month because if you promote a show, say September 5th, that people aren't taking it seriously because they're like, well, it's in you're in August, oh, the show's in September, I don't have to buy tickets. Where once we get into September, you're constantly hearing, you know, hey, I don't know what to think about that. But then again, I could look at so many shows we ran, the first, the second, the third, the fourth of the month where we had over a thousand people. Right. So, so it's, it's, it's weird, like, it's always a thing in my head though, like when we pick a date, I'm like, ah, should we, you know, um, I, like, I, I don't know if that's a thing to promote, but it's something I, I just kind of always pay attention to, but it doesn't really matter. So we book, and again, New York, New Jersey area, uh, it, we've done, and I don't know if it works the same for other cities, again, we're, we're not there, we, we mostly promote in the New York, New Jersey area, but we found success in different cities based on Friday or Saturday night. For example, we'd run a lot of Brooklyn shows, and we found that we did, uh, if better, if not the same, but I think actually better fit on a Friday night where people are just getting out of work and going, okay, they get out at 5 o'clock, let's go find a show, that, or let's go do something, boom, they're in Brooklyn, where on their off day in that particular area, maybe people are getting out of town or doing something that they had planned that whole week. I, like We did better on Fridays there, but for this, for New Jersey shows, we like to run on Saturday. Ideally. We've done well on Friday and Saturday in New Jersey. In Brooklyn, we've done better on Friday. My brother had a theory because New York, it's so weird. New York and New Jersey, the crowds don't travel to each other's shows, even though they're like 30 minutes apart. That on In Brooklyn, the New Yorkers are, they don't want to give up their Saturday and Sunday. That's their weekend. Friday night, that's still part of one of their work days. It's after work and stuff, and they still have their whole weekend to look forward to. So that's, that's, that's the theory that he came up with. Whether it's true or not, I have no idea. Maybe people already have plans that Saturday. You know, New Yorkers, they have work the 9 to 5. I have no idea. But, yeah, for some weird reason, Friday in Brooklyn, we always did better. But New and Jersey, we've done better in both. We've done, I've, I've seen the same size crowds in both, really. The only difference is the Friday crowd in Jersey, a lot of times they trickle in very late because of the traffic and right. work and stuff like that, whereas Saturday they're there on time. And that, that's a big issue too, because like a Friday in Brooklyn works if you're engaging a Brooklyn crowd because they're not driving in, they're on the trains or they live in the area, where if we run in Rahway, New Jersey, it's not exactly every, you know, we'll get some Rahway people, but yeah. they're taking the train in, they're driving in, and it's, it would be, it's a miserable, I hate running Long Island on a Friday night, the absolute worst. The apps, I will never do it, except for the, the school shows here. 
um, never do it again. It's just, it's, it's. Didn't I? I drove. The, I think I drove the ring once when it was old way and far and long. I think that was the one where it was like four hours with the traffic. It took me right. some insane number. Yeah, and I got there close, like an hour before bell time, or no, an hour before doors open. So we're gonna pick. pick you know, it could be Saturday, September nineteenth, for. Hey, that's my Alaska show, buddy. Is it? Okay. <laughs> He's running head to head with Alaska. <laughs> uh, Heat. We got a beef. Timing wise, you know, some people. It, it really it really depends on the lineup. Now, this is going to be... What do you mean? I, I just brainstormed something. I was like, that, that is pretty wild. Like, to pull that off, like, there's a whole crew of WrestlePro guys that don't come. Imagine simultaneously running WrestlePro Alaska and WrestlePro New Jersey. Yeah, it would be it possible. It might work out that way because a lot of times, too, it say the rec center is like, no, we're going to start running events and... You know, we, it's not like, that's what, that's what people got to really understand too. That'd be historic. Promoters don't get a lot of, I don't know, f I don't know what the word is. I don't want to say respect, but like just finding a venue that's okay with us doing what we do is, is like, is hard. So, you know, um, you know, sometimes I'll see people complain about, oh, there's too many shows running on this day or whatever it may be, but finding a venue that's okay with us, you know, fighting in spandex is, is, it's not easy because a lot of people are not wrestling fans. They're not warmed up to the idea. <clears throat> Essentially, we pick a Saturday. We've always liked to have our cards at uh, at 8 p.m. bell time. Personally, I wish it was a little bit earlier, but we've preconditioned the people yeah. that come to our events where we've tried to push it up an hour early, and it's backfired. Big time. Uh, because they're so used to coming at 6 o'clock for the meet and greet, 6 to 8, and then... Uh, you know, 8 p.m. bell time, you get out of there realistically. I feel two and a half hours is perfect. I noticed when we started doing that, not saying that we're uh, the trendsetters behind it or something like that, but I almost feel like every wrestling show in New Jersey that I see is, doors open at 6 o'clock for meet and greet, bell time, 8 p.m. Like, I think it's like across the board. Very rarely do I even see 7 p.m. bell times, but like you said, that's blew up in our face before where we're like, where's the crowd? And then by 8 15 on a 7 p.m. bell time it's packed in there and we're like damn it and then we feel bad because it's like these people you know missed out on the first hour so we try to push the show back and realistically i mean we don't really what happens to us i think like most promoters you'll hear like of a eight or nine match card we ideally would like that but a lot of times things fall into our lap or we, we need to include certain people or we feel like this this should happen on this show so there's been times where we've had to take, you know, a nine match car turns into 12, but we have to figure out how to time it appropriately. We're not even going to get to that part just yet. <clears throat> if we have 200 people, let's do a, a breakdown of the amount of money you could possibly charge or, you know, figure out seating wise. Again, the, the price of the venue, I don't want to put that up yet because I know what we pay per different venues. Where we'll just make up a price once we get to that number. So if we have 200 people that can come, I still think we could realistically put 40 people in the front row, which we normally try to do 50, right? And what would a front row in this post-COVID world, could we get a higher ticket point or do we keep it the same? I would say keep it the same because I don't, I don't think people have that extra cash. I think people are going to be eager to spend money. It might be money they don't even have to begin with. They're just dying to get back to life as normal. So but I, I, I agree and disagree with that because if, if, say, we have 40 seats, which is 10 less than what we normally do, and uh, my theory is that those are going to sell out. If people really want them, they're going to get them. Like if they don't, they don't have the money or, or if they're like, that's, that's too expensive. <clears throat> like, were you thinking $40 a seat or $50 for like a front row? 
I, I think in the past we've always did it depending on how stacked the card was. I think when it was a smaller card, we dropped the tickets, but when we went in with a heavier card, or did we always have 50 across the board? No, we, we didn't always have, I don't think we've always had 50, but I, I think for this being a first show back and just, because also look at the income too. And we've, we've had this ha actually happen on shows where we're like, man, this is, not, this is not the amount of money that we thought we'd, we'd make or bring in. And it's been because of a $10 price change yeah. from front to second row. You know, if you have 10 more seats, you know, you're costing yourself 500 bucks extra in income, a thousand bucks in income. I would vote to actually have at $50 just because I, I personally think if someone wants to sit front row, we will get 40 of them. And that's also the other thing too, is if they don't have the money, then don't sit front row. You exactly. can also buy the $20 ticket for a general admission. So, okay, we could. <clears throat> so with that, if that's sold out, you know, we would have $2,000 from the front row. The second row, do we go, you know, the general mission, we're going to keep at 20. That's what, that's what worked for us. You know, a lot every of people, aspiring promoter sitting there with a pen, right, a pen and a pad right now, <laughs> writing it down like, okay, okay. Then well, when it's all said and done, it's like, I'm a promoter now, I'm going to run a show. I don't think it really works if like you're running a show in Alabama, I think $20, like, you know, I talked to like Jeff Correct. or stuff like that, you, you're like, they're like, what? Carolinas, $20? dude, I mean, there's, when I lived in Carolina, there was, the general mission was like $5 for kids, $10 for adults and stuff like that. So then I did the, I was doing the math, I was like, how, how is this profitable? But Again, I have no idea. We can never do that. If we did five or ten dollar no. seats, we can never run shows. But I can never it, afford it. I don't think it's just wrestling. If you just as you as you go further down south, things become cheaper, whether it be rent or anything, insurance. Right. Exactly. As you're going up, like if we run in New York, it's more expensive than New Jersey. Right. You know, and then Virginia is less expensive than New Jersey. North Carolina, so you could probably get less. It just keeps getting cheaper. Speaking of that, I thought about this. Random has to do has to kind of relate with that topic. Um, just to explore numbers, you know, I, I run Creator Pro here. We do shows here in New York, and our square footage is 2,600 square feet. And I know uh, I know the amount we pay. I'm not going to say what we pay. OVW, when I was down there in Louisville, Kentucky, their square footage of their place, gosh, I I want to say, yeah, it, it has to be at least 10,000 square feet. Oh. I mean, they, okay, so here we could fit 125 capacity. OVW you could squeeze in 400 people. The locker room capacity. was big too. Lock, yeah, the locker room there, bigger, that way bigger than here, and they had the upstairs too, which was like a like a kind of a. That's an upstairs. There's like kind of like an eagle's nest sort of thing with a, a different locker room where it was a female locker room. I don't know if things changed since then, but what I'm trying to say is the difference in price between here and OVW, as far as I know, is twelve, $2,200 more, if that makes sense. For something that's virtually four times bigger. Exactly. So like that's. Is it? I've never been to there. Uh, been to there. Been there. <laughs> is it a prime location? Is the Davis Arena like in a prime spot, or is it kind of in like the back alleys? It's a warehouse area. My biggest gripe. It's in a prime spot. My number one complaint. Maybe, you know, now that Allison knows the owner, I don't know why they never change this. You do not know it's there. So like you drive down a fairly busy road. And there's <laughs> never been a sign Billboard to say, nothing. hey, OV, not, not that we have one for Creator Pro, I would love that. But you would think that there'd be this thing like Holy. OVW wrestling this way. Not only that, if you put up a big, huge, like almost billboard type thing, and then the people that came out of there, you have like John Cena, Brock, right. or <laughs> OVW wrestling, the stars of Today Tomorrow, right? I, Is that it? Stars uh, of Today Tomorrow? Something like that. Yeah, and then I mean that's kind of that's kind of wild. That would have promoted the school too. There's every time you go to OVW it was make a right at the Tacor, T O C O like lighting factory to go in. So <clears throat> back to what we're saying. 
second row, do we do we do forty dollars or thirty dollars? I guess I would say thirty. Trying to be, I try well, to do. The, I try to do on one of the shows fifty dollars, which always moves. And then I was like, okay, we, we're doing well. I was like, let's bump it to thirty, thirty-five. So because that's a big gap, twenty dollars in between them, and like nothing was moving. And then dropping back down to thirty again. I think they're preconditioned where it's twenty, thirty, fifty. But was preconditioned. So now I'm, I'm thinking too. If we ran realistically any sort of venue, we're gonna have to follow seating guidelines. And they may be, and we're running in a place like the rec center, which we're going to pretend that we're running there. Then we would hypothetically only have two rows of seating. So would we be able to get away and advertise, hey, we have limited seating. They're going to be 40 bucks. As and if not, you're going to be in the bleachers far apart. I think that would be the sell. Not trying to get more money, but yen away because we want to produce these events to do more of them. If we're actually running the rec center, that a venue that size with social distancing still somewhat intact, where we have to space people out, then yeah, I think that they would be more uh, more inclined to pay that if there's only two rows on the floor for sure. I and I think that that would be the way to go with the same amount of seats being forty. So that's sixteen hundred dollars if you sell out your ringside. Now that's the number one way I feel for promoters to capitalize on making money off their show is you cannot go. I'm going to draw a thousand people. You're going to you know. Uh, you can, but you can, if you have your passionate fans, is really ringside seating. When we do sold shows, I try to tell them, look, if we have a sold show that, you know, sells for $5,000 and you're able to command $50 a ticket for people that really want to go to your organization, where they go to bingo night or they go to a bake sale, whatever it may be, uh, you know, you make back half your money, essentially, if you sell at the front row. And that's, that's, well, that's always been a big dep thing. Depending on your budget. Some people, again, they try to book these shows with these crazy, insane price names. Oh, sure. Then they expect to sell out the building where they would virtually almost break even. And those are the promoters that wind up slipping out the bathroom window halfway through the show because it didn't work out the way they planned. So, so, but if you keep the show within a budget, those first two rows at a decent price should be a, either a good dent to the budget or depending on how well you promote it and how low that budget is, it could be a substantial amount of the budget. Now we're left with, if we have a capacity of 200 people, if we're allowed those guidelines, which we're pretending that we are, then we have 110 tickets left, and they're going to be $20 because that's just what we do. So uh, 110, 2,200. So you're looking at the, po the highest amount of a gate you could, you could have, 5,800. Oh, those two, oh, I was just adding up those two, <clears throat> plus yep. the 2,000. So and that's, a, that's not what we're, we're really used to, but again, we're pretending guidelines in a, in a COVID world. $5,800 is the maximum, so you got to really take into consideration how do you run a show based on that budget, but you don't want to do it on that budget because you obviously want to make a profit. So other things that go into where we could actually have a revenue stream uh, is going to be I would argue for any shows going into this that we keep concession money for food. It has to. It has to. So if, we, if you get concessions, you're the ones that, you know, providing the, the hand, hamburgers and hot dogs, even though that's a pain in the butt. I'm more of a, you know, pizza and drink sort of guy. But let's just kind of, I'm, I'm going to throw, you know, with 200 people, if you can make, what, 350 bucks maybe off of... It also depends on money out, money in. You right. have to be cautious on what you're spending. You don't want to go and spend $300 on concessions and then make $300 back. It defeats the purpose. Uh, so. But I'm going to throw just... It, it feels like a, a safe number would be you make $350 okay. out yeah, there. Yeah. Not even costing money out. It's already taken out. Gotcha. Yeah. And the big thing for us, which we would be able to capitalize on, is the meet and greet. 
Correct. So, and merch. Um, yeah, meet and greet. And oh, merch. merch, same. Yeah. So this will go into our first booking question. We have a 200 seat. Who is the first person, uh, realistically, of those? I'm going to throw out of the releases that we'd book to have there. On a lower end show, I wouldn't go for the highest. I wouldn't go for the. I wouldn't go for Kurt Angle. No, or, couldn't, couldn't work. Or or even Rusev. I'd imagine he'd be up there. It would have to be that next tier underneath where it's a safe number. Um, I mean, if you're not factoring in flights and stuff like that, Hawkins is already part of the family and he's local. So right. now you take out the hotel costs, you take out the flight costs, and then... Which, might, are, which is safer to do in this time period. Correct, okay. because you don't even know if that flight's... I think flights are getting changed and canceled religiously still, so you don't even know if that could happen uh, unless someone's driving in. So he I, would... I mean, on a smaller show like this, he would be the safest one where... You know he'd be there. It wouldn't crush the budget. Mm -hmm. And I think that 200-person, we'll hit that 200-person mark, whether or not we... Because even if we bring in a Kurt Angle or something like that, we're shooting ourselves in the foot because the 200 will get hit and then we'll cap it off and not let in the rest of those fans. I think someone like a Kurt Hawkins would be fine, or even like a Heat Slater. But again, they're all at the same level. However, one has a flight, one doesn't. Yeah, so especially that, with that, that if you if you... If you took a Heath who's flying in from, <clears throat> I believe, Florida, and his, his flight's 250 bucks, even if he stays with a buddy, which I don't think we, we don't really do, I get a deal at a hotel, it's really about 110 bucks. Um, you know, you're looking at another 300, when your potential gate is 5,800, and you're bringing in, taking away 360 bucks from that, you, you see where this goes quickly, and that's the number one, I think, mistake with promoters out there, is they don't take in consideration, oh, well, that person charged me 500 bucks, yeah, well, you got to get them there and get them a hotel. And, you know, there might be something else. It might be in, in the night before because they live West Coast, whatever the reason. Now, you be. tack pay on top of that, you're virtually, like, taking away 25% of the, <clears throat> the total revenue, potentially. Not including the meet and greet, but that's where you also hope. Now, does that person bring in what is coming out in that meet and greet? Uh, and in the best case scenario, do they bring in more than what they're putting out in the meet and greet? Because then now that not only makes that person free, it actually takes a profit and throws it on top of that total total amount coming in. Now with this, say we do, and I agree, say we go, we, we brand and build this whole show as the return of, you know, Brian Myers to, to WrestlePro. You know, uh, I think the safest avenue if we, you know, because it's real easy to go like, oh, 200 people, real easy. I don't know if it's really going to be, it's not going to be, hey, we put 200 tickets online. And if, if that, like, if that sold out within three weeks, you and I would be like, oh my God. And we move on to the next one. Yeah. But that's not going to be the case here. You know, we're yeah. not going to get 200 pre-sold. What realistically after maybe, there was a time period where we, I would sell front row and second row out in 48 hours. Maybe things will change now. I'm not expecting them to. So... What I'm trying to say is going into the in the meet and greet thing, I think it'd be a fair agreement. Whoever we bring in, we'd probably try to do a 50-50 split. I don't know if that would be, because that would essentially lower their cost, hopefully coming in, and they would trust enough that out of these, you know, in a perfect world, we'd want all those 200 people to meet that particular talent, you know, because that would do amazing. But uh, I think that would be the way to go. So that would be a revenue stream, would be the 50-50 50-50 split. 
And you could actually do a 50-50 on top of that too. The actual ticket 50-50. That's another right. Way, okay, that's another so way another additional, rather, which we do at WrestlePro, thank God we do this, because sometimes the other night where, you know, there's been, I, I've lost count of the amount of shows promoted, but the, it's it's really kind of sometimes the end of the night we're like oh the the raffle made 160 or 300 bucks where we do autograph posters and and we 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 don't do a 50 50 I think it's actually illegal in certain buildings I thought did, did we never do it before I could have sworn the raffle tickets or is that raffles for the posters the signed posters signed posters mostly okay. um, but that's another revenue stream that I'll, I'll say for you know hopefully that brings in another. 200 bucks, you know, everyone gets a raffle ticket. I don't see us going into this show if we booked Myers, Hawkins, whatever. I don't think we bring in anyone else that's from outside, or do we? At that, at that low attendance number, I, I, don't, I wouldn't. I'd feel, there's no reason to because normally when we keep adding and adding and adding, we try to load it up because we have an, uh, a max. We, we never hit that cap in, in Rahway where you could potentially draw literally over 2,000 people. So the more people you bring in, the bigger, the, in theory, the bigger the crowds will become, the more money that will come in, where we're at an absolute cap of 200 people. Like, why add? That's just money going down. So I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel safe doing it. We decided on Hawkins, on Myers, whatever. Where do we book him? Does he go before intermission or does he close the show? I think he goes before intermission because we got to keep our promotion open. We have titles, we have, we have he's not going to be back every, well, he actually probably would be back every show. <laughs> I already kind of told him he was pretty much on So everything. maybe that would be an exception <laughs> to put him last? I don't know, I can go either way on that. Um, if it was Drake Maverick coming in, I'd put him at intermission. What's so weird, it's, uh, you have the fans that are all going to know who he is. So you would think, theoretically, they would all come up to his table to meet him, but what we've seen in the past TV people that we've brought in, when we put them right before intermission and the fans actually see them, see them in the ring, it almost like, they, they had the opportunity to meet them at the beginning, at the pre-show, they didn't do it. They literally passed up and then they see him wrestle and then they flock to the table afterwards like, oh my God, that was awesome, I need, I need to get a picture. I don't know, it, that, that mindset works with some fans, putting them on last would sacrifice intermission on that one. So. But, you know, where I'm going with this is he's going to, sometimes we have a loose deal with our talent where um, they can actually keep their intermission monies and we do a, the, you know, the, the in-ring thing after, which we definitely would have to do in this situation. But doing that at, does that cut away from his intermission sales or, again, now I can go either way with that. I don't know. Depends who we put him against. Well, suggestions because, for that. Bring him in. Because do you do, there's, I mean, he's going to be a regular. Like, if it was like a, like a Heat Slater, then you could put him on before intermission as like a fantasy dream match. But with the Myers, if we have a string of shows lined up and whatever, I mean, we're not super storyline orientated by any stretch. But with someone like him, you would almost want to intertwine him with a wayward, a Bowens. I would love Dion Roosman versus Hawkins would be amazing. Uh, Bowens versus him, McIntosh. There's so many avenues to go down. I mean, he's he's already a main player right off the bat, and I I see him like getting thrown right into title contention with those guys, like, like well, right in the mix. And for those that, that don't, we're gonna speak about a lot of WrestlePro talent. You may or may not know who they are, but we're trying to activate our uh, YouTube 
page with WrestlePro. So if you want to check out any of the people that we mentioned, I'll try to give like a loose scenario of, of what, what kind of skill set they are and what kind of you know, person they are. But we have years of GoPro filming our stuff. It's about time we do something with it. So it'll be on the YouTube page. Okay, um, but Myers coming in, he would be a babyface, obviously. He's not being a heel. That'd be weird. No. Okay. I mean, they would, unless he wants to be. Like the first go around when he came back, he started as a babyface and then he kicked me in the nuts and he turned heel and he wanted to be a heel. But, uh, I mean, the fans are going to, it depends what he wants to do. The fans are going to react to him as a babyface right off the bat. Mm -hmm. I think any, anyone, including Rowan or any of those guys, the first show the back, the fans are going to cheer for them because it's like, wow, I get to see this guy in person at my local little event over here. So, so the current WrestlePro champion. I would, I would have him as a baby. Current WrestlePro champion, you know, with Bowens. Yeah. That feels funny to me to have babyface, babyface at the end. Does it or does it not? So, like, the thought process with that is, and also putting him into a title match first time, I don't, I don't, if he's going to be a regular, maybe well, we're shocked. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would put him in right off the bat. Uh, maybe, like, a McIntosh, Matt McIntosh, who just lost the title, and he, and, I mean, the way it was lined up was Anthony Bowens was going to wrestle Dion Roosman in Alaska next week, and, uh, I mean, it was supposed to be in May, May 9th, I'm not sure when this is going to air, that's why I stopped myself, but, uh. Obviously, that's not happening, so it kind of threw everything up for a loop. I almost look at it as like a UFC rankings type deal. It's like, well, Hawkins can't debut and just wrestle for the belt, but, I mean, it does make sense where he's coming in with a strong name value, wrestling the guy that just lost the belt, almost like in a title eliminator. If he gets past the former champion, then you could kind of throw him in the mix. And I think we're kind of past the point, I would think so, just based on what the fans want to see and stuff, that whole big bad villain heel against super baby face i think the fans right. just want to see a kick-ass wrestling match right but with that being said that's probably not going to close the show considering neither one of them is Correct. champion so Correct. that would hypothetically go before intermission yeah anywhere before intermission to semi-main but uh for meet and greet purposes before intermission would work better and then we'd have a meeting and then we could actually just because i'm okay with with guys doing this too where they if people are out there selling their stuff during the second half of the show, like, I'm fine with that. No one really comes, I, I noticed no one really, I mean, they almost want to just watch their stuff and watch the rest of the show. No one, no fans don't really leave their seats, but they're already at their table when the show does close and they make a couple extra little gas money on the way out, right? All right, so that goes, that goes right there. It'll be the right before uh, intermission. We have that. Now it's going to be hard and it's going to be hard kind of broadcasting because we can talk about a lot of people and they may not necessarily know who they are, meaning like, um, you know, insert, which is what we're going to hope to do with the Patreon, kind of get more into the talents that come into WrestlePro. But maybe we don't need to get into, okay, this is match one, we put this guy with this guy. But just talking about it in general, or a general consensus, what should the first match be on a show? I know I have my take on what a first match should be like. I don't know if you, you have one of yours. I, I, f I, f I flip-flop between the older school mentality, I don't know if that's what you're going with, where easy peasy set the tone build up the card i'm kind of i was like that for a long time i today present day i kind of want a guy two guys to go out there and just tear the house down like uh, i just think back to wcw pay-per-views with the cruiserweights or even the first night where they had pillman and liger it's like you guys go out here this is the first thing you guys want to see we want you to freaking kill it like I kind of have, I don't, I don't really think that s still exists where it's like they killed the whole show. Like how are you going to follow? I don't say go out there and have a 45 minute match, but 
a, a hell of an eight-minute match or something to start the show where the fans are like, wow, what, what a way to start type deal rather than, hey, guys, go out there and kind of sort of don't do nothing and keep it easy and simple. Then, I don't know, I kind of like it to build up, but build up in a, this match was really good. This match was freaking awesome. This match was great. Holy crap, what did I just see? That way. It's also up to us to decide the structure of the show, meaning if the first match, which I think we both agree should be ultra-athletic and something where you're, this is what you're selling. Oh, this is, like, I, I hate when first matches stall. The first, you know, the bell rings and the guys are, you know, talking smack to each other or, or one guy's clapping to get the people into it or they're, or they're, you know, like, get to the action and get to it quickly. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying rush through things, but even just let's not waste our time here. The one thing you said that, you know, like, if if too many independent shows, I feel like, have, like, the WWE philosophy we've seen on pay-per-views, and, I could, like, they like starting off a show that's going to, you know, really get people, you'll have star power, you'll have some, you know, element of that, but I like working within a, a time constraint. Do what you ha need to do, but you are first match, please do it within six to eight minutes, in my opinion. Now... One thing I don't really like doing is I do believe that if we have some sort of storyline on the show, which by that point, I don't really know if we'll have because we're press, pressing the reset, bed, yeah. reset button. But where independent wrestling shows to me get tiresome is when every single match has, you know, f false finish galore. And it's just one, two, uh, one, yeah. two, uh. So I tell the first match. Everyone always, but everyone always gets a two count. <laughs> Which, if you, want, if you do it... 50 times. There's ways to go about that where we don't have to have that be how we start getting into whatever the outcome may be. So yeah. I just try to tell guys, look, if you're in the first match, I do tell guys this too, like, if you're... We have a lot of guys that think they have to do dives every time. It's the independent wrestling mindset. But you don't. You don't have to be, you know, if that's... There was one show, actually it was WrestleMania weekend when we ran in Florida, where I was watching guys, that I don't think I've ever practiced a dive before. They were just doing it because that's their, and they weren't good. And I'm like, I'm like going, you've never dived before, but you think this is such a big show that you have to do that. But if you're not good at it, then like not do it. And also it gets repetitive when someone who does do it well does it. So I try to tell like, and guys will kind of challenge, not challenge me on that, but be like, well, what should I do? Like, what's in your move set? And if they have things, I'll try to structure it where it's compelling, but I like the first match keeping in the ring. That's, that's just my thing. Don't go to the, why don't you go to the floor? You'll hear it in a lot of podcasts, but to me, don't go to the floor because not everybody can see you on these shows. So if you do some sort of like really cool action and a lot of guys will do certain things on the floor, maybe three quarters of the crowd can't see you. So they can't react to it. Mm -hmm. So I try to tell guys, please, if you're in the first match, keep it all in the ring, even the second match. But what we're going to try to do is instead of putting in, oh, let's put in, you know, uh, Wayward versus Vargas first match. Let's just go, we want an athletic match. Okay, six to eight minutes. You know, I prefer, again, I'm a traditionalist. I prefer a baby face going up. But also there are ways to play with it. Sometimes we do, which we'd probably do, we do a pre-show. We're the only ones that do a light match where it's not a dark match. It's, <laughs> we like to get the- it's Extra lit up. You know, you walk into our venues and I, I like the first match to have the lights on. So that way when the show starts and the lights go off, you go, oh, okay, something's happening here. Yeah. But you can still condition them to see wrestling with the lights on, and it's also a way to get some, some people on the show. So normally we like to have two of those matches, which are relatively shorter too, anywhere between four and six minutes. Um, 
and we'd probably do that. I would maybe we just have one for this yeah. thing, but we also like to you know just have that to get to get guys exposure. Second match. What do we throw in there? A tag team match? A, you know. I always look at when I, because I always write down all the matches. And then I, I don't like to do, like, if I have, you know, 10 matches and there's seven singles, uh, two tags, and a girls match, I don't like to do single, 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 singles, girls tag. Like, I like to try to break up as many single matches as I can, whether it be a three way, a tag match, or anything. So it really depends on how many singles matches. I had going, mm -hmm. but uh, I normally, I, I, I the second match I usually do a, a three-way, a tag match. Not the girls. If there's one girls match, I keep that at like fourth match or some. Sometimes the second half of the show, but I usually try to break it up, like with a tag or a three-way. Going back to that, traditionally I was always taught this. I don't really get it or agree with it, but a lot of people said that the sec the first match to me. I truthfully saying that it has to, is the most important match on the card. Yeah. I've always believed that. I always like going first. I, when I hear the term curtain jerker, I'm just like, I, I get a little nauseated by it because it, it just, oh, I'm going first tonight. Anyone who's really been around, we want to go first. Yeah, we, we, you get that energy and sometimes you have a long drive, you get to, get to leave early. But there's the amount of shows that Sanjay Dutt was the main event <laughs> on and he politics so hard to get that switch to the first match. And then he would text me and brag about that. He'd be like, he's like, they had me main event on first, out the door by 8.15. Sorry, that's <laughs> spooky. You know who literally just texted me? No. Swear in my life. Sanjay Dutt. Wow. That's, I hate weird stuff like that happens. Whoa. At the exact second I said his name? Yeah. That's, that's. You gotta tell him that story. Like Kevin was literally telling the story about how you keep getting your matches switched. To and we haven't been talking. We haven't talked in a couple days. Like that's like, oh, that's weird. Oh my god. Okay, so um, one thing I want to address before we get uh, hate from Twitter and hate from people. Women's about what? Match, what do we say that's gonna be hate? This is why. And I, I look through the through women's matches. Okay. We do not structure our shows and go, where do we put the women's match? Meaning we're gonna have one of them. We would love to have a lot more women's matches. You got to realize that WrestlePro and CreatorPro ideally revolve around the people that are local, that are our own guys, our originals, came up through the training system, or they're independent enough where they're going to work all of our shows in, in this area. We would love to have more women's matches. You know, we lost Statlander, essentially. I don't know how much we can use her anymore. Who well, was, we lost Scarlett. Uh, Scarlett was one of our ones that we, we constantly have. I mean, right now, in each training school, maybe three total. So we just lack the numbers and we want to revolve, you know, we have, like currently we have like, you know, Vicious Vicky with us and uh, Julia trains out here. Like there, there's... Well, there's only one in New Jersey with two others that are currently trained. There's one that Vicky's the only one that's capable of being on actual shows. Right. So she would have a correct one. So that's the reason why. It's not just like, we just need one women's match. We have 15 girls and we're like, none of you are wrestling right. today. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we would love more, please join. I want to get to a side story. Join, join, sign up. Wait, uh, what? you got sorry, this weird, euphoric look on your face. Like, ah, you're excited you're, to see. Your, but wait, what's going on? What's the side story? So there was a point one time, and again, I don't, I don't know where this. It's just the wrong mentality to have, where we had a good amount of women training at Russell. Again, people change, men quit, women quit, in and out, things happen. There's people that you know, the cast of characters have gone through both schools and years. My lord, so. 
There was one time we had a fair amount of women training with us and we thought it would be a great idea to bring in outside independent talent to work with them in their, one of the, some of their first matches. We brought in Katarina, we brought in Deanna Perrazzo. Sienna. Uh, was this the same, I'm, I'm thinking about a particular show, I don't know if it was a tag or not. There was no. one, I think we just no, brought No, I'm thinking about one with Sienna where she literally forgot the entire beginning, middle, and end of the damn match in the rec center. I mean, that, that's, that's just <laughs> performance cheaters, but I'm talking more, okay, okay. so we brought in two proficient independent female talent to work with two women that were training with us. And we, the normal mentality should be like, oh my God, I get to work with another professional. This is such an experience. Instead it was thrown in our faces that we're bringing in outside women to take their spots. <laughs> and that was just so, you know, actually and that has happened with the guys before too, where certain time we're like, we've brought in outside people and Instead of being like, oh my God, I'm working. I don't know if this is like, I mean, we're, we're technically millennials, we're elder millennials, but like, I don't know if it's like a younger mindset where we are. I mean, I know, I'm friends with but you. like, I like to believe I'm 20. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I don't know if that's it. So if you're, if you're, if you get a chance to, to wrestle someone way more experienced than you, don't look at it like they're taking your spot or like, oh, I have to put this person over and I'm always here. Because we've heard that quite a bit. That just reminded me of a, of a time where I went, oh my God, we're trying to make, make them better. And it's thrown in our, we're spending money to invest in these talents to get better on show, which is what WrestlePro is all about. We, I've, I've, I could have bought an island somewhere for the amount of money we've paid talents coming to work, Dana to Dana work Dana with here. our guys. WrestlePro <laughs> fight island oh, over God, here. that'd be a dream. <laughs> but like, there's been so many stories where I'm like, man, you guys just look at it like you're putting over TV talent and what's in it for you. And I'm, I'm looking at it like you're getting a chance to work with notable people in our industry. Come to think of it, Alaska's almost like WrestlePro fight island. We have to fly in everybody to <laughs> wrestle in this remote location, if you really think about it. But as far as touching on the women, there's all different avenues too, because I've reached out to so many of them. I've had them reach out to me. I mean, some of them, what they're asking for is not even remotely close what they should be asking for. They're talking, some, some of them are asking for like TV prices mm -hmm. when they've never touched a lick of TV, which is pretty crazy. I mean, it's just, a, you gotta stay within your realm. But uh, more, most recently, this, this coming, the Schmar show that passed, I had uh, Lady Frost on it. Mm -hmm. I had her against Statlander. I booked uh, Masha Slamovich. She was on May 30th. I had her against Vicky. Like I'm trying to bring in this influx of females and there's not a lot around here. And uh, so we, we are, we have nothing against women's wrestling. I want more women's wrestling. On Mar May, the show that was supposed to happen on May 30th, that's obviously not happening. There was, I had two female matches on that show. I had one on the pre-show and one on the main show. So I'm all about bringing in, I wanted to create a women's title and everything. It's, and it's so crazy too, because then when people like Statland or Scarlett, when they're, when they're capable of doing it, they look the part, they work the part, they get snatched up like that. And now they're signed exclusively because there's not a lot of female wrestlers. So now you have all of these other companies, not just WWE with NXT. You have uh, Impact. You have AEW. They both have stacked women's divisions. You have NWA that has a women's division. Uh, I don't really follow MLW. I do, I'm assuming they have women over there working. But uh, you have all these companies that are signing women left and right to exclusive contracts. Uh, we used Angelina Love a ton. She signed to Ring of Honor. Like a lot of the the the, the 
the, the, the table full of these talents are not as accessible or available. And even, even uh, the last show going into Alaska where I've been hit up countless times by everybody to try to do those shows, including female talent. When, uh, when Scarlett had to pull off for WWE, I, need, I had to fill that spot. Um, and filling that spot was so damn hard. I hit up everybody and they went through the channels. Uh, Tessa agreed and then Impact was running that day so she got to get pulled. Emma was on but then Impact, then she got pulled. I had Ivelisse but then she got pulled because I forget what else was running. It was one after the other after the other. And I was announcing all these people and it was just going to smoke. Uh, and then finally Sienna saved the day. And she she filled that spot, but again, that's that's a that's a very challenging, especially right now. Not saying there's not a million female workers out there, not a million, but that are great. There's just not a lot that are accessible. Right. And I'm trying to use on like even Masha. I booked her for this show while she was still over in Japan, which she goes there frequently, saying, "Are you going to be around at this time?" It's it's very challenging. That's actually one of the hardest things on a booking standpoint. To get, and again, the ones that are available, they're so in demand that their schedules are usually slammed. So unless I'm hitting them up months and months in advance, but I'm trying for everyone listening out there. I am absolutely trying. All right. So going back to the second match, I think we're just going to throw a tag team match in here. Now, here's a question. Do we put a tag team title match or is that not needed? Or maybe since we're pressing the reset button, we essentially have our... If we introduce our tag champions and maybe put them on commentary, since there's no real reason to have a tag title match, and have two teams compete so the winner of that team can face at our next show. I like that. I actually like that idea. And uh, right, job security are the tag champs. So I would venture to say, I mean, we don't have a once upon a time we had a we had such a stacked tag division that we created the trios titles because we had three man tags. Like then that all trickled away and our I tag failed at that. I tried to get that going. Well, we had a, well all the three man teams. Like one day, like I don't want to team them no more. And one reason or another, they all fell apart. So now we went from someone back to school and quit the school. It's crazy. So we went from a ton of teams and even three man teams to very limited teams. We have job security, the Graysons, Craig and Doring, and I. I mean, I don't know what else is slipping my mind, but I would venture to say just by process of elimination, you put well, job security on commentary and Craig and Doring versus Grayson's. So well, with that being said, um, maybe that Doring goes into this thing. So we've decided not to bring in any outside or newer release people. Is there any people that we use? For example, we like to sprinkle in people to our show that have some wrestling credibility, that are local, and there's like a, you know, there's a big gap between... You know, like technically Dreamer is local, but he's still, you know, he's he's not exactly free. Free, you know, he's <laughs> not at all. Even though we, we've had some weird trade deals like in the past, but you know, hey, I'll, I'll bring my ring. I'll do an appearance on your show. That's so. That's the brother system. But I'm saying with, uh, you know, we've used Dory because one, because I like him in the locker room, but also <laughs> because he, uh, you know, gives that credibility of a of a guy that you can, you know, former ECW talent essentially. So. Maybe he goes in that spot with his partner, Craig Steele. Yes. Uh, my response is, yes. <laughs> it's funny, because I'm just thinking of doing you. Like, I like him in the locker room. It's like, hey, did you see the match? No, but he actually told me this killer joke. Like, he said, it's like, yeah, Doring's the best. But he's great. Uh, yeah, and again, we, we fail to realize, too, because our fans are so used to it. Danny Doring is actually a TV name. He's a poster-worthy name. He for last EC, he still has the damn ECW title, uh, he, so 
him he's just a regular reoccurring guy talent on our show so but yeah he's a, he's another guy and i would 100 percent put him in that spot because that again jazzes up the show too and it jazzes up the show like you know not for nothing a lot of newer fans may not know necessarily who he is or even familiar with ecw but what it does do is you have a guy who's had enough experience whoever they work on the roster get something from I remember wrestling him when I was like 17 years old and like being scared to death and that was my wallpaper was me and him having a match forever. Like it was just, it's a good experience and it's a leader in the locker room. It so it's still worth. is. When you just showed me the Sanjay Dutt text, <laughs> it's like him enduring locking up behind it. <laughs> so, okay, so we, we throw that in there and we'll throw another, another team in there. Also, what we have a problem with, since we have, uh, and again, this is a big part of the business too, Guys are get some of these guys are getting some of their first opportunities, and you know, I don't want to say the term. I hate using the term ticket seller because yeah. it's like we should all be ticket sellers in a way, but we should also we try to get on people on these shows, like our newer students, to hopefully have maybe they bring three, four people in their family, and that you know, I do pay all of my guys when they work on my shows, but there is a scale. You know, based on and but the newer guys, your first year, I'll say right here, you're not getting paid. So that's, you know, just which in general, though, it's even unheard of because there's schools. I mean, the one I came out of, Johnny Rods. Yeah, (laughs) almost all of them. Like, think you go there. People, I mean, people in Gleason's gym have been there for decades and they don't get paid. It's if you just think of a wrestling school, it's like you they pay you to train there. But they, then they're going to train you a couple of months, a year, put you on shows. And then even if it's 20, 30 bucks, the trainer's paying you to wrestle on his shows that's given you experience and exposure. It, it's just an unheard of thing. But, I mean, and, it's, and that we all, the people that don't know, we also tell them, like, look elsewhere. Like, this doesn't exist. Like, it's not a real thing. So, uh, it's just, it's a testament to... How freaking awesome this place is. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> now that I say that, I go, well, did I speak too soon? Because realistically... Well, well I spoke. What, what did I say? I'm saying, look, we're, we're used to, if we had a 10-match show, we have all these different people on the card, mix and match of, you know, Russell Pro, Creator Pro graduates. With this capacity, it, is it, I don't know if it's possible to pull off that. So it had to be a lesser amount. There, there had to be some sort of flexibility there. Because we're not dealing with a, you know, 800 people packed Correct. into the rec center or... or What, you're talking about putting on kids that are going to bring friends and family? No, no I'm saying, that, saying you know, a, uh, people that are graduates from WrestlePro have been training there three, four years or on the shows all the time. Can, can they... We got this new number to work with. Yeah. What the heck do we do? Uh, as far as paying? Yeah. I mean... And it's also, you know, it's, it's a weird... I, I think that's where the brother rate comes in hand. Yeah. And it's like, hey, guys, you're just honest with your guys, your locker room. Again, we're, it's doing, we're doing something that's unheard of where it's paying wrestling students that Pat trained himself to wrestle for him. That doesn't exist anywhere. So I think they know, I think depending on the circumstances and situation that we're currently dealing with, it's like, guys, it's a small show, small capacity with a cap. Here's the deal. I mean, we've done that before in the past, depending on what was going on. Like, I had to move a show to freaking Halloween day because uh, it was the only Thursday available on a week's notice where I was like, hey, guys, here's the deal. Where the and capacity every- would be around this number, hopefully. Correct. But um, so I think it would have to just be everyone that is on. 
So like the COVID rate would be the, uh, co the COVID brother rate. Yeah, there you go. There's going to be a thing that we'd have to explore because it, it just you know if you have even if, if the the rate is you know hypothetically twenty bucks and you have nineteen COVID nineteen. Everyone, everyone now gets nineteen bucks. Uh, you know if you have, gosh, you know sixteen people at that. It, it going against a number that we mentioned before, which I haven't added up everything yet. Regardless, third match, I would say let's do the women's match, which we'd probably put our current women's wrestler at WrestleBro, which is Vicky, and we'd find her an outside babyface opponent. Who that would be, I'm not really sure. We'd have to kind of... Uh, I mean, I would, depending on, I just booked a couple of you, like I said, I, in my opinion, I owe, even though I'm not in charge, I didn't create COVID, I'm in charge, um, I would like to uh, honor some bookings that I dished oh, well, out to people. So what was... It was Lady Scarlet, I owe her a booking. That Lady Frost? What did I say? Scarlet, Lady Frost. Lady, Lady Scarlet. Uh, so yeah, we Lady bring in Lady Frost. Frost. Okay. So we honor honor that. We have our first four matches: Myers, Magatosh, and Intermission. Timing it out, you know, realistically, we had six to eight for the first match. Second match, probably the same, maybe. Sometimes I get weird, like seven to nine. Uh, third match, there's no issue here. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say another six to eight, and Myers, Magatosh. 10 to 12, 8 to, t 8 to 10, and 10 to 12, you know. Yeah, anything like that. McIntosh excels when he goes longer, and Myers can go forever as well. So those are matches, too, where I don't like to give too much time to matches where I'm like, they're just going to drag out the first eight minutes of nothing just to kill the clock. I want, I want guys who can actually go from, like, the first minute in to the 12th minute in where it's just like, that's crazy. Mm. Like, and those two can do that. So, And I think those two are better suited for longer matches than they would be for six. Mm -hmm. So I think they get to tell the story and they get to get their shiznit in. So we have our intermission, which is a running clock. Again, too many intermissions on most shows go too long. And we I'm just so paranoid about losing the energy for the main events. I just like always try to, sometimes it's 10 minutes. I'm not, if, if there, nobody's buying stuff, we, I've, been, I've done five minutes. <laughs> well, I hate that. Uh, did, you, did you see that meme? Oh yeah, the, the, the Joe Exotic one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he said, "I'm not gonna, I'll never." It's like uh, when a promoter says we're running straight through intermission, and then it's so Joe Exotic saying, "I'm never gonna financially recover from this." <laughs> but we're definitely gonna need intermission for these shows. I'm thinking with lesser matches, people are aware of the situation. We want to sell our hot dogs and hamburgers. We want people to make money on merch, t-shirts, so. <laughs> signings, all of that. Any anything, because especially with that clock. Well, if there's if there's a short amount of matches, then we could stretch out intermission longer, which. Ideally, like when I time out the shows, like I, I have a pinpoint of when I want intermission to hit. So when, when we, if we're behind that number, I'm ecstatic because then I want to run a decently long intermission because that's, again, that's not only money coming in on our end, that's extra money coming in on the talents end and stuff like that. I wonder if any of them cursed us under their breath when like intermission was like five minutes and they're at their table. You think they're like, these? I'm of. sure, but I also tell them like, <laughs> look, man, if you're over not, you know, if it's independent guys going out there, like just hey, I have no mind. You can sit here the whole time. You get people coming up, but you know if if matches go long or whatever the the you know if if we have a Myers in uh, in ring you know gimmick where we'll split the profits with a meet and greet inside the ring, which again even though they just met him early on, chances are you see people lined up and <laughs> we've done it before where nobody lines up because we've we've done shows where it's just you or I in the ring or someone whoever. And we have to like have so a, awkward. we have a fake person kind of just pretend to, and then it starts people getting online because 
you don't want to be the first guy online. So we'll like, hey, kid, just get, get online and you'll get a free picture. We have Buster Jackson just come in the ring because he looks like he's 12. <laughs> and then, but. So after that, we have a popcorn match, match number five, which to me is, you know, it's important. You're getting people back into the action. doesn't have to be necessarily the strongest match on the show, but it's not unimportant either at all. I don't, and, uh, and I think that it has a bad reputation because it's like people look at that as, well, a WWE show or any of those kind of shows where the arena is like kind of half empty between the bathroom breaks and stuff. With independent wrestling, everyone's going to the bathroom that's three feet away at any time. It's not like when you when intermission hits at WWE where they're all online, these never-ending lines, and then that first match hits, the arena's half empty. Uh, whatchamacallit. Whereas independent wrestling, I don't think it's the same. Anytime we ran the first match, the, the quote-unquote popcorn match, it's not like, uh-oh, like, I mean, maybe there's, you know, 15 people online getting food and everybody else locally right by the ring getting merchandise, but everyone's still physically there. So I don't think it's the same for independent wrestling as it is for the bigger arena shows. One thing I would do here, which I like to do after intermission, is a multi-man match. And the reason I like doing that is because you can stretch the entrance, not stretch the entrances, because I hate when we have multi-man matches and it's full entrance per each. It adds yeah. up, it's tiresome. But if you have a six-man scramble, you get some more people on the show that are our guys. And then by the time we, you know, if everyone has 30 seconds for their entrance, enough time has gone by where a couple minutes, you know something's going on in the show and you'll hopefully migrate to your seats. So I would do that there where, you know, a multi-man match, which that used to be a fixture at, uh, you know. I was actually brainstorming about that. I think I told the guys out the other day, I was like, I really miss, I wish I, I could get a, that six-way title, a six-way title, just for the fact that, I don't know, it just gets six people on the show. And I remember just like the students, like how thrilled they were. It was like our, it was almost like our hardcore title. That belt changed hands so many times. I think Craven was like a 75 time six way champion. And I just remember they were so happy when they won the belt. Like, oh my God, they're a champion. And so, it sounded like such a ridiculous concept, but it worked for us because if you have a six man scramble or a six woman scramble, you get to kind of put in these are car crash type matches. So they may not have the most, you know, it's athletic, go, go, go. And. There was just something to it, I think, for being in there. If you're a champion of that particular match, where you're fighting and re- trying to have a title, you know, against six guys, five yeah. other guys. So like that was like a in the the former promotion we had that. I was fought on that at first, but then I'm like, they're becoming essentially some of the most captivating matches on the show, and I think they it actually worked when we had a title there. But we don't do that currently. We have you know, but anyway, six guys on the show. We're in match six. I think we wanted to do an eight-match card, hypothetically. What goes now? What do we do? What, in that six-way? Well, I, I, it'd be too hard to be like, oh, I think, you know, this person should be in there because people may not be familiar with WrestlePro talent, but we just know at this point we'd get six people on the show that are... But then the last three matches are all singles matches, one are, consecutively after the other. Could be. Maybe not. Maybe... If we come back with a six, maybe we, a we have someone who we're trying to build in a squash. old squasher, which I love doing. I love to have at least one squash match on the show. I just, to me, it's always, you know, a th- with, we did it with so many people over the years. It worked for Mario Bokura. It worked for uh, CAQ. It worked for, it, we, we've built people in this way where if we ran enough shows, our locals believed in this person coming out because we've conditioned them to, you know, the Umaga theory, I call or whatever. Like, <laughs> they, they see someone win enough, there's, no matter who their opponent is, 
you actually believe that there's something. When they get elevated, it's almost oh, fala. We, we do this all the time. They squash Vargas, Vargas is the current one. Currently, we're doing it with Vargas, where a big, you know, monster Umaga type character, you know, as he just gets wins under his belt, and then he'll goes on, th and then we fill in a new person because I am a, you know, squash match favorite. I, I always like to do the squashes as the popcorn. Okay. Because you figure that's it's it's short, it's simple, it's easy, it's to the point, and stuff like that, and that will get the fans. And that would be the six way following that would be now the fans are already sitting down, and that's gonna like kind of okay. So we could interchange those two. If we're doing any kind of uh, following any storyline based stuff while sticking within a budget while putting on the best possible show, uh, Sean Donovan just beat LSG for that the, the silver title. Okay. You would almost think that LSG would get his instant rematch and be the first one to get a crack at that. And that that I mean we saw the two title matches. I think that that should be one of them. Wait, how many matches do we have now? Two. We're already at. We're already at six, so we have two. We essentially, have two more. Are they both, oh. you know, a championship kind of thing? Um, or do you make that six-way match for the silver title? I, I've, you can. I just think that's kind of funky to do because I don't know. I've always thought that was it was a little weird to throw Random a champion in. into a multi-man match. I know we see it all the time on television. I just felt that that was always kind of funky what you could do is essentially again since we don't have any issues i know it's leaving people off but you know if you had the champion take on the winner of that but doesn't we already had a i think we'd have to revisit the program between lsg and donovan even though we haven't seen it in a while we have enough enough footage from it right is that is that where we go so we're basically trying to figure out, do we put in something that hasn't been seen in a while because we had such a break from shows, we don't have television, we just have matches on YouTube and footage and things like that. Is it familiar enough to put in there? Is it in the well, wrong order? Should that have gone earlier? I mean, I would almost venture to say, because they have that uh, bad blood backstory that there's no gimmick matches on the show, that that one, that one would be ideal to make into a gimmick match. Okay. Yes. Okay. I mean, if we're going budget, if we're going <sighs> but safe budget-wise, I mean, we, I hate I hate assembling that cage, but we have we have our own cage too. I don't think coming back with a cage for the first show would be. Well, I'm just saying in general for for a low budget without spending extra money, it's like we do own a cage. So but they already had an issue. Do we do a lumberjack match? Do we do a you know, a lumberjack match would be a way to get all of the uh, new kids on the show too. Right, and so, I, you know, I would say like something with a street fight, but again, we're revisiting these issues that people haven't seen in a while, so if we have a street fight, I don't know if that kind of, why are we having a street fight yeah. when we're unfamiliar with it, so. Well, we could also air beforehand on the screen the little backstory. Like the fans in Alaska had no, the, no idea what the hell I was, we were doing over here for that set of the ladder match, but we filmed that nine-minute min, nine video that aired in the, uh, the big screen and right and these fans didn't even know who the hell these people were and then after they saw that video they booed wayward as soon as he came out they because in the video he actually literally just said i hate this place i don't even want to be here i can't wait to leave and get back to new jersey so when he walked through the curtain they uh gave him some crap we could also utilize that video screen to smarten fans up and give them a little backstory right before okay now so for i actually like the idea of the lumberjack thing too because here's the thing too say we have a you know uh, getting our, we could also figure out a way for the segment, yeah, getting people out there to be lumberjacks experience on, on any show, but we could also figure out a way to get 
everybody creatively involved with some sort of big schmaz after where it gets these two performers doing something for the next show where we have some sort of outcome everyone breaks down and some sort of th separation or you know people are there, there's some sort of hoopla that happens after just throwing that out to make that different because we know we're probably going to come back with another gimmick match after yeah, that because lumberjack to me has always been step number two or like you have your your singles match say you have your lumberjack and then normally you go to your cage match but you could go lumber street fight this that it's just For you sure. don't want to have street fight then lumberjack yeah. match doesn't doesn't really flow idea creatively for a main event that we're in it we don't have you know we could put bowen straight up against uh, our Dion. champion our babyface champion um is that is that what was supposed to happen? Because that's going to be yeah. a hard one, I think, to kind of gauge. I don't know. That's the match I was looking forward to probably most in Alaska too. Him and him and Dion. The whole build-up was Dion getting his shot in his home state of Alaska against the ch title. So maybe, I don't know. Uh, do you do something similar where Bowen sits out that one and Dion wrestles? I don't know. Or, to me, the show needs a bow on it. It needs some sort of, we've had some, a flow to it. Uh, we had our, our biggest outside star power before intermission. So now for the main event, we need some sort of element of, I don't know if whether it be surprise. Sometimes as wrestlers, you're just thrown into a situation where you have to make the most of what you're given. But I think we can set them up for success a little bit better. Or do we do I'll the winner of the six-way wrestles later on in that night against the champion? Can we do that? To make that six-way mean anything, mm. then you could put like Buster and uh, Craw T.J. Crawford and C.A.Q. and those guys in that six-way. Well, what I'm thinking is if we have because the way we originally have it, we have our babyface champion versus potentially another babyface. Yeah. So after all this night of action, just seeing that, will the fans really be interested? Will they really care? Now, do they have necessarily a heated issue with each other? Who Bowens and Dion? Yeah. No. They don't. That's that's another thing. It's a respect. It's a respect thing. <clears throat> you know, I'm trying to think of essentially a situation capitalizing on what happened that our fans would appreciate. If hypothetically early into this contest, we have a referee suffer some sort of strike, he gets knocked down. We have a second re come come out. There, he gets clobbered too. We need someone else to be a referee. Insert. Is it my time to come back and I call the match and we figure out that, something? That, that, that would make sense, actually. So you have the authority to do that. Authorita. And now I'm involved in whatever creative finish we come out to, leave something open with whomever, where we could have some sort of unique ending where they fans appreciate it's not just this guy versus this guy. We ever win. Okay, we go home. We need something where, oh, I, I, I want to see the next time. What that is, I don't really know, and this is what goes into the booking things, that you can be with us on Patreon if you sign up, where we got to try to figure that out. Again, we don't ever want to give away finishes. That's not what this is here for. But we need to have some sort of structure where people go, oh, next show we're going to get this, and here's what happened here. The other impromptu thing I could think of is if hypothetically we erase you know, from what we had because of the situation, and say the babyface challenger, Dion, goes into that six-way and Bowen's issues an open challenge and me being Booker Man extraordinaire or whatever, I answer the call. 
is that something? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And again, it's like, oh, you put yourself right, in there, but it's like, it's, it's a situation for people to appreciate, oh, sh that person's here. I almost think, too, what if, if Dion was even left off of the match itself? Because, again, it's babyface, babyface, and the fans are taking to him and liking him. If something happens, let's say, let's say Bowens wrestles uh, Justin Carino or one of the heels like that, something, or he even, involved, he even gets involved and it ends in a big schmaz or whatever, like a car crash type thing, but Dion actually comes in, even though he has the title match against Bowens, he comes in to help Bowens. Like, then his back's against the wall, he's outnumbered, he does the big babyface save, freaking Roman Reigns style, and then he wins, and then it's a thing of respect, like, next show, it's me and you. Like, I had you back this time, but I don't know. But whatever he does, I would recommend that, again, because since he's not really established that much here, that he would have to compete. Because also, too, say you run this main event against our two babyface, our babyface champion being Bowens, against another up-and-coming babyface, which you can do. BS, B, well, let's say BSK. Okay, you're saying VSK or whomever, but I'm saying if Dion, that babyface, does something in the main event, they need to be featured earlier on the show for those fans seeing him the first time. He could be in the six-way. He, meaning he would and he'd essentially probably win the six-way Win the six way to then be involved later. That could be something, too. Another way I was thinking of it, too, is, is if the last thing of the show, whoever, say we just have a killer match or whatever it be, or maybe we... They get into it, and it boils down into a street fight, and they have some sort of, to add a little sizzle to their match, and whoever wins this, at the last thing of the night, we see Myers walk out onto the stage to set the, you know, premise. So that, that's, that's areas we, we try to explore here, you know what I mean? Again, we don't have to figure that out. I think we've done more than enough, but that's what goes into a, uh, a, a booking meeting, and then you figure out someone gets hurt or someone has some sort of things happen or... And that car will change 15 times between the point we do this to the point the show happens. Or someone hits me up, hypothetically, I don't know. Eric Rowan is in town for some reason. Someone wants to bring him in and he wants to wrestle on the show. And it, and it works out where it's financially completely a good deal for some reason. I'm not going to say no to that. So you mix and match, and that's part of the thing you will get on Patreon too. When new things come up at WrestlePro, which they happen all the time. We're going to address those. Again, I don't want to ruin anything, but I, I want to have people involved to see the booking process. And uh, Money-wise, now does this show make money? That's what the fans are wondering. We have the budget. We're looking at it. When we calculate it at a sellout. I mean, I could really calculate it now. I think it would be boring if I just keep doing that. But from a glimpse, I have a good feeling because, because with the ticket sales, the amount we've allotted with just kind of one major expense, but they're also local, um, I think this is a you know positive way to net net income. What that net income could be, it's undetermined because you also have to figure out, you know, whatever your streams are, whether it be concessions, whether it be um, uh, what should call it, merchandise. I know you can put tickets for the next event for sale that night. Maybe that could be. Some, we've never done that well. I, uh, sponsor tables, things like that. You could figure out, uh, you know. For footage, you know, we're, we're trying the free YouTube things. So it's going to take time on that. That's not an immediate moneymaker at all. Um, people buy, you know, they're, I'd feel good about this. You know, this show, running this, I'll even say, if this show collectively made, we had our, our budget of the ticket gate being 5,800, 
and with all the revenue streams, if we could be positive 2,000, I think it would be a successful night. And I think that's realistic. You do understand when this episode comes out, the entire roster is going to hit you over. Like, Dude, am I not booked for that show? Like, it's not a real show, guys. <laughs> it's that we're just we'd stop it. We can get hit up asking about if we're if they're on the show. Right. What, what what's the date of that show you guys are talking about? <laughs> right. The only questions will really get messaged too. That's that's uh well we just booked a show guys. I hope you appreciated it. Again, I'm going to plug the Patreon but also leave a like here on YouTube. Click the bell, get all our notifications, subscribe. Leave a review on the podcast. We'll be checking them. The most creative ones we'll read every week. Fun way to kind of get our get our numbers up. Um, across all platforms this is uh, the Pat Buck show. I'm the mantra is the same as the social media. Just remember, Buck never stops. Buzz killer.